0: And welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Friday, June 30th, 2023. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right. End of another week. We've made it to Friday. End of the week. End of the month. We're through June. When you finish with June and yet in July, you know you're a third the way through the summer, basically. I know technically summer just started about a week and a half ago, but let's face it, June, July, and August are the real summer months. Once you get into September, you're into fall, you're back to school, all that stuff. So we are basically a third of the way through the summer already. In some places, they haven't experienced much of a summer. Let's hope July and August is better. Of course, here in San Francisco in the Bay Area, it always amazes me because the tourists come here this time of year, and they just assume it's going to be hot, right? They assume it's the summer, it's going to be hot. It's California, it's going to be really hot. And they are always shocked at how cold it is. They're always shocked. I bet you there are so many tourists who come here, and they have to buy sweaters or jackets because they don't come ready for the cold, fall-like weather, you know? And as you get further into the summer here, it gets cooler. I mean, August is a real... Windy, cold month here in the Bay Area, and most people don't expect it. Why should you expect it? Everywhere else, it's hot. Except for what? Australia, down under, right? And even there, it's mild. So it's it's uh, it's weird, and tourists are not ready for it. So that's a warning. A little Here, a little tour guide here. I'll give you a little tourist tidbit. If you're coming to San Francisco this time of year, bring... A jacket. Bring a sweater. Bring something warm, because it's uh, it's not it's not like the rest of the country. Of course, you can just go a few miles inland. You know, you can just take the the Bart, the Bay Area Rapid Transit. If you don't mind some crack smoking, some fentanyl folds. If you don't mind a little bit of crack smoking, a little bit of fentanyl, then you take Bart to the east bay you take it out to concord and walnut creek and those areas and all of a sudden you're in summer you're in summer all of a sudden it's 90 degrees so you can always do that but if you're going to be in the city make sure you dress warm all right well what happened today what happened today more supreme court stuff right the supreme court finished their where they work two months a year is that right june and october Basically, they work two months out of the year. That's a good job. Would you like a lifetime job where you work two months out of the year? I think that's a great job to have, a great job. It's amazing how these government jobs, they find a way to make them, like, pretty fucking cushy, right? No matter what it is, right? From from president to Supreme Court all the way down to, you know, congressional aid, you know, you have half the year off. So it's, a, it's the government jobs are good jobs to get, right? even top of the totem pole bottom of the totem pole you get tons of days off you get every holiday imaginable speaking of which we have july 4th weekend starting right everyone kind of left san francisco today because people in san francisco are leaving to go elsewhere for the holiday weekend no one's coming here for this holiday weekend so it's really empty now and uh and what's amazing is that people are taking four day weekend because July 4th is on Tuesday, right? So the holiday is Tuesday, not Monday. So people are just taking four days. Americans find a way to do this all the time, right? If the holiday was Wednesday, would they take five days? Would they go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday? Would they go Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday? When some people took today off. So that's just a five day weekend. It's, it's amazing to me at how Americans can find a way to get extra holidays in there, right? I mean, the holiday's the 4th of July, not the 3rd of July. But anyway, I guess I digress. But yes, so it's a holiday weekend, and I'm guessing a lot of people are out of town um, going to enjoy, you know, uh, fireworks somewhere or barbecues or whatever it may be. So this city, it's already empty, right? We've talked about this. For the last year and a half how people have just left here so hundreds of thousands of people left permanently and now when there's a holiday weekend and more people leave it seems like a ghost town here i mean my gym which is usually fairly crowded on a friday afternoon was empty totally empty um and the streets are empty and there's not much traffic so that's the way things are here in san francisco what was i talking about oh holidays Yes, supreme court it's amazing how I got to how got to the Fourth of July weekend from the Supreme Court, but yes, they work about two months a year, and June is a big month, and uh, June thirtieth, the last day of June. So they finish with their rulings today. We know how yesterday's ruling made the left totally apoplectic, right that they, they decided that affirmative action is racist, right? And God forbid now, universities, when accepting applications, Can't just use race. And by the way, they can still use race. You can still put in your little, you know, when you try to get into a college and you want the edge over others, you could, you write, you put a letter in why you want to go and you deserve to go to that college so much. So you can still put, I come from a low income background. I've done all this. You know, I come from poverty. None of my family members went to college. And yet, look at me. I got a 3.9, right? You can still do that and the people who read this the administrators can say okay this is good this is, we want someone like this so they can still consider race and more importantly you know socioeconomic status but it's not just the default now to race right so god forbid that's all good stuff total common sense and of course the left went crazy cuz the left loves racism everything needs to be race with the left everything is race everything comes down to race so they went crazy. Now, today, there were a couple of more good rulings. Um, the first one, which is not as important, is that person who's a – what was it? it? was Someone making a cake and some gay couple came in and wanted them to make a gay cake, whoever the fuck it was, for a gay wedding. And they said, no, their religious beliefs prevented them from doing that, uh, that kind of thing. And so the Supreme Court ruled today that, yes, you can use your religious – if you're an owner – Of a, forget about religious beliefs if you're the owner of an establishment you get to decide these things if you don't feel comfortable look if I go in to a a cake maker and I say look I want this huge cock on the cake and I want this huge phallus on the cake a 12 inch phallus please do that for me and they say well look I don't feel comfortable putting a fucking cock on a cake they're allowed to do that and the left went crazy over this too Calling it discrimination because someone doesn't want, because someone can make the decision not to put a cock on a cake. That's discrimination. That's how crazy the left has gone. That's why so many people like myself have left the left, if you will. We've left the left because they've gone totally insane. So that was a good, another good decision. I think these were all six three, by the way, six justices with brains and three political activists. Okay. So. Those are solid rulings. It's not those narrow 5-4. It's 6-3, which is a comfortable win. And, of course, the big one was the student debt plan. The Supreme Court strike down Biden's student debt plan, which every legal expert said they were going to do. There was only the slight technicality that if there was no standing, if the Supreme Court felt the people who brought the case didn't have standing to bring this particular case, they would have to kick it back. But they decided that wasn't the case, and they decided against Biden and that he can't just unilaterally wave his his elderly eighty year old finger and say, student debt relief gone. Because you know, someone pays for that. It doesn't just go away. We pay for it. We who didn't take out loans pay for those who took out loans to go to great colleges when they could have not taken out a loan and gone to a pretty good college. So the rest of us We have to pay for that. And the Supreme Court, with common sense and law on their side, said, no, you can't do that. The president can't unilaterally. Congress can make laws. Okay, Congress controls the purse. The president can't just say, I'm waiving this debt. What where would it end then? Oh, all car loans are gone. All your mortgages are gone. As though this money is not going to have to come from somewhere. That's called a dictator. And of course, this made the left nuts because they want the president to be a dictator. No, not when it's Trump, but anybody else, especially Democrats. They're okay. They want to be a dictator. They want the president to be able to say things like you have to close your store because of a cold virus. That You have to wear masks on an airplane. They want the president to be able to say things like you must get a shot in order to go see a movie or live your life or have a job or support your family. And they want the president to be able to say if you took out a loan, you don't got to pay it back you fucking worthless hump. So they want the president to be able to do that. But the Constitution, so something called the Constitution, the left hates it. The left despises the Constitution. I've said that a million times on this show and they always prove me right because they're always against what the Constitution says, okay? They're always against the Constitution. So when they talk about being against the Supreme Court decision, they're saying they don't like the Constitution. So They hate it. They hate the Constitution. But in that Constitution, it has the branches of government. It has the branches of government. Another thing we've seen with the left lately is, oh, I don't care what the Supreme Court says. I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to defy the Supreme Court as though when the Supreme Court makes a judgment, it's a suggestion. It is not a suggestion. Read the Constitution. It's the law of the land it's over. You can't go above them. You can't go around them. You can't defy them. But once again, the left hates this. They hate the Constitution. Don't believe this shit. Or they hate the court. They oh, they're they're. What did Biden say? That idiot, idiot. What did he say? It was a weird court. It was a stupid court. What did, what what phrase did he use? It was dumb. Whatever it was, and. um not a normal court. That's what he said. Not a normal court. Um Don't believe all this stuff. They hate the Constitution. That's what it comes down to. So when you have justices who apply the law of the land, the Constitution, those are the kinds of justices you want. Doesn't matter if they're right or left. What we have seen in my lifetime is that the right-wing justices seem to stick to the Constitution and apply in the Constitution where the left-wing justices try to manipulate the Constitution and say, well, it really doesn't say this. But what they're trying to do is spread their own narrative, their own political narrative. These are political activists. Jackson, the new one, she's a political activist. She's not a real judge. So uh, that's what we see here. And we see it in their decisions. When they make decision and they write about it, you can see in like the dissent from the left wing justices that they're not really interested in applying the constitution. They're interested in applying their own political narr- their own political ideology. And that's not what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to apply the constitution. We have levels of government here, okay? And the president is not the fucking dictator-in-chief. He is the commander-in-chief. He's not the dictator-in-chief. He's not the economist-in-chief. He doesn't have the right to wave his finger, his old elderly bony finger and say, all debt is gone. That's not the way it works. If you would like to legislate, if you would like your legislatures to make laws then you vote in legislators who want to make your laws. They do it here in San Francisco. They vote in groomers because they want groomer laws. They want groomers making laws that make it more acceptable for adults to do horrible things to children. They like that here. The left likes that here. I don't like it, but I'm outnumbered. So I vote against people like Scott Wiener at London Breed and Gavin Newsom. They vote for them and they win because they outnumber me. That's life. I can fight that here, or I can leave and go somewhere where there are normal people, and I'll be doing the latter very soon. But that's the way this works. That's the way the Constitution works, okay? So if you want to change laws about student loans and interest rates and all this stuff, then you have to vote in people, and you have to uh, write to them, and talk to them, and call them, and get them to do this stuff. That's the way it works. You see, that's hard the left doesn't like it hard. They want it easy. They want their dictator. It's okay when it's their dictator, okay? When it's not their dictator, they don't like it. But when it's their dictator in office, they want him to be able to do these kinds of things and usurp the Constitution. And the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do that. Now, the fact of the matter is, and we've talked about this before, what seems to be slipping the minds of, of the liberals, is that Biden knew this. Biden knew this was not going to win in this Supreme Court. He knew it. Everyone knew it. Every legal expert knew it. All the legal advisors to Biden knew the makeup of this court, this was not going to pass muster, okay? Because it's not constitutional. And this court, six to three anyway, cares about the Constitution. So he knew all along that it wasn't going to pass. Yet, what did he do? He dangled the carrot in front of the young voters, right? He dangled that carrot to get their votes this past November. And to an extent, it worked. If not for the student loan stuff and the 18 to 30 crowd coming out more than they usually do in a midterm, Republicans may have done better in the House and they possibly, possibly could have taken the Senate. Look, it's like a game, a ball game. You'll say, well, if this error wasn't committed, the game would have changed differently. If the umpire had made this call instead, you can't, you don't know for sure. But we know that most likely, more likely than not, Republicans would have done better. But he dangled that carrot. He got the young voters and they came out. That's a fact. They came out more than they usually do. And they came out because mostly some people will tell you it was abortion. I don't believe that. It came out because of the student debt loan, right? So he knew it wasn't going to pass, but he used them to get their votes. And it worked, right? He used them. He knew this ruling wouldn't come until June. The election was past November. Dangle the carrot. And then in June, just blame the court. When he knew, he knew this wasn't going to go through. He does what he did, what Democrats always do. They use people to get votes. They use people to stay in power. It's not just the young people. This time, it was the young folk. But sometimes it's the black folk, right? We've seen that many times with the black folk. They're doing it again, especially here in California. Again, they're talking about reparations. They're making it look like something's going to happen that will never happen. We know it won't happen because we just saw what the Supreme Court did with student debt loan relief, right? You can't do that. You can't just say, no more student debt for this group of people, right? We just saw what the Supreme Court did with the affirmative action. You can't just say, I'm going to give this this uh, college admission to someone who's black, okay? You can't do that. So let's apply that to reparations, which I think are part affirmative action and part student debt loan relief. There's no way a city, a state, a country, city level, state level, country, federal level is going to be able to say, Black people get a million bucks each. Everyone else can go fuck themselves. In fact, they can do more than go fuck themselves. They're going to pay for that money. It's not going to happen. First of all, it's not going to happen because of the legal reasons. and It's not going to happen because California's broke. The money's not even there. So they know that, but they're dangling that carrot, and they're going to continue to dangle it because they want the black people to come out next year and vote for them in the presidential election and beyond. That's what they want. So... They're so – the Democrats are very nefarious when it comes to this. They're able to dangle the carrot in front of the voters and say, look, we're on your side, but you have to vote for us. But You have to vote for us. Make sure we're in office because if we're not in office, you're not going to get student debt loan relief. If we're not in office, you're not going to get reparations. If Republicans win the Congress and the White House, you're not going to get student debt loan relief. If Republicans win in San Francisco and California, you're not going to get your million to each. So what does it say? Yes, it says the politicians are creepy, skeevy scumbags. Absolutely. But what does it say about the people who fall for it? What does it say about the young people who fell for the student debt loan relief bullshit? What does it say about the black people who who were falling for the reparations? Garbage. It was even dumber and stupider than the student debt loan relief. What does it say about those voter bases? You know, I got in trouble, Twitter trouble. When you get in Twitter trouble, is that real life? Is that real trouble? In a way it is, because some of the people who were mad at me are real people. But um, I got in Twitter trouble when I said back in 2000, 2000, listen to me, 2020, um, after Bernie Sanders had won a uh, Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada, and 538, uh, Nate Silver had him as the overwhelming. I mean, th- this is a little aside here for you. We are how many months out from the first, we're two months out from the first debates, right? And we're July, August, September, October, November, December, January. We're about seven months to eight months out away from the first voting, okay? So- Think about that when you start believing polls and who's ahead and who, who, who has the great, who's the big front runner or has the best chance of winning because Bernie Sanders in 2020, after there were already three states had voted after already we're talking about late February, early March of the election year. He was like 98% favorite to win the primary. Okay. And then came South Carolina and everything changed. So if things can change after the first three states already vote, you really cannot believe anything you hear eight months before there's any voting, okay? Let 2020 be a a lesson and evidence and proof of that. But, okay, getting back to my point, Bernie had won Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and 538, and most prognosticators had him with a 98, 99% chance of winning the nomination. We were ecstatic Bernie's supporters were ecstatic we're gonna do it this time we're gonna do it then came south carolina you'll also remember in iowa new hampshire and nevada biden was like fifth in all of them he wasn't even close they hated him i'm okay he was like fifth in iowa and new hampshire and second in nevada but it was a far second bernie had like a, it was like a 35 point edge okay And everyone was ecstatic. This is great. Bernie's going to win the nomination. Biden's out. As usual, no one's going to vote for Joe Biden for president. Then came South Carolina and Jim Clyburn. Jim Clyburn, his uh, sponsor, if you will, in South Carolina. And he riled up all the black voters in the Democratic primary into believing that Biden was on the black side. I mean, how? (laughs) Anyway, Biden was on the side of the black, and Bernie was racist. Basically, that was Jim Clyburn's pl- push to his people in South Carolina that his good friend, by the way, Joe Biden, his good friend, um, was the was the uh, the savior of the black, and uh, Bernie Sanders was racist, and they believed it. And Bernie got crushed by Biden, and that was Biden's first win. It was a huge win, and the narrative after that was Bernie's done. Because in the Democratic Party, if you can't get the black vote, you're not going to win the primary. And everything changed on a dime, on a dime, everything changed. And I said on Twitter that the primary voters in South Carolina were obviously low information voters because they simply believed the words of this one guy, Jim Clyburn. They just believed him. That's it. Nothing else mattered. No facts, nothing. They didn't do their own, you know, they didn't look into Biden's record, which is incredibly racist. They didn't look into Bernie's record, which is not racist. They just believed what Clyburn said, right? Just like the young people believe what Biden said about student debt relief. Just like the pe- the black people in California believe what the Democrats are saying here, that they're going to get a million to each. Low information voters. They went crazy. They called me a racist. They said I was calling black people dumb. Well, yeah, in a way I was, but I don't think it was racist. I said the people who voted in that primary were low information voters. A lot of them were black, but not all of them. Right. I'm talking about the, the voters in the primary in South Carolina, which weren't just black people. They were white people. They were Latino people. But yes, it was a good portion of them were black. And that's what Jim Clyburn was trying to fool. He was saying, I'm black, just like you are. I'm telling you. Biden is a friend of the black, and Bernie's a racist, and it worked. To me, that's you're dumb. If you believe that, you're you're a low-information voter. I don't know if you're dumb when it comes to economics. I don't know if it, you're dumb when it comes to sports. I don't know if you're dumb when it comes to fixing a car. But when it comes to voting, you're dumb. You're a low-information voter. So whether you're applying my criticism to black people or to white people or to Latinos or a combination, I believe I'm 100% right. And I was proven 100% right. And I got grilled. I mean, they killed me for it. I lost at the time, of course, most of my followers were progressives. Big mistake. Um, I lost about a thousand of them nearly overnight because I had, uh, I had prominent black leaders who were like on CNN, MSNBC calling me a racist. And they weren't just calling me a racist. They were saying because I was a, a Bernie supporter, it shows that, oh, whole- and he racist. And, you know, once again, if you're dumb enough to believe this stuff, you get what you deserve. And now you got Joe Biden because you deserve Joe Biden. And the young people who voted for Democrats in November deserve what they get. They were lied to. Any black people who vote for Gavin Newsom or Scott Weiner or London Breed in California get what they deserve because <laughs> they're being lied to. So this is low information. You don't have the information. Enough information available to vote to your best interest. That's low information voter. And in November, the young v- voters were low information because they believed what Biden had said about student debt relief when it could not happen. Legally, it was never going to happen. Low information, right? Same thing with the blacks and reparations in California. California's broke. The cities are broke. San Francisco's dead broke. And, of course, the courts will never allow it to happen, even if they had the money. Low information. You're being fooled. The Democrats are very good at this. I'm sure I can look at things that have happened in the past, and you'll say, well, Republicans were low information, too. Yes, at times they are. In certain places they are. If you believe Trump is a better candidate to beat Biden or Kamala or Buttigieg or Gavin Newsom than DeSantis, you're low information. You don't know the independ- the polling with independence. You don't understand how Trump lost, basically, three of the last four elections, if you're combining electoral college and, and popular vote. You're not understanding the numbers. You're not understanding how the swing states work in a general election, how to get the independent voters in purple states. You're not understanding all the dynamics that go into winning a general election. You're just believing that Biden's hated, and everyone thinks Trump is being crucified, and therefore he's going to win. It's low information. You don't have the facts available to make the best decision, okay? So there are low information voters all over the place. There's no doubt about it. But the Democrats lately have been particularly slimy when it comes to obviously lying to their voters just to win, just to get the votes To win. Now, of course, Biden's doing what Biden does. He's a a liar. He's a sociopathic liar. He's a sociopath, just like Gavin Newsom doesn't care about anybody, just wants to win elections, just want to stay in power. Him and his friends want to keep them in power for as long as possible. So now he'll say, well, I didn't, I didn't fool anybody. I, I had my heart in the right place. I'm blaming the court. And guess what? I bet you. 75 off the top of my head, 75 to 80 percent of the people will believe that. Will believe he had his heart in the right place. He truly believed it was going to go through, and this awful Trump court stopped it from happening. As though he didn't know the awful Trump court was going to stop it from happening. People will believe that. Young people will believe that. They'll totally believe it. They're not going to, the majority are not going to blame Biden. They're going to blame the Supreme Court, which is why Biden's got his minions in MSNBC and CNN and his cabal of liars out there blaming the court. None of them. If you want any blame to go to Biden, you got to listen to this show, maybe Dan Bongino's podcast and Fox News and a few others. Maybe Joe Rogan might talk about it. But if you watch CNN, ABC, CBO, all the usual offenders You're not going to get anybody blaming Biden, saying he lied on purpose to get votes, talking about the reality of the situation. They're just going to blame the Supreme Court. This awful. It's so easy, isn't it? It's a MAGA king court, right? It's a MAGA ultra, ultra MAGA, ultra MAGA court. So just blame them. And those same people that were fooled will be fooled all over again those same people, hey, Gator, long time no see, those people will be fooled all over again. And I'll call them what they are, dumb, low information voters. I don't care if you see me as racist or as ageist or whatever it may be, but that's what they are. We know what he did, Biden. We all said this. We said this when he said this, whatever it was, last year, a few months before the election. He's doing it just to win in November, and you'll see the Supreme Court will never allow it, and he did it, and they, to an extent, won in November, did better than people thought, and now the Supreme Court didn't allow it. So we were telling people that. We were we were telling people that. I was telling, on this podcast, on this network, calling. I was telling young people, he's fooling you. Watch! And he did. And he did. So... <laughs> it's, it's sad because people in this country are so easily fooled. They are so easily fooled. I mean, I don't know about other countries. I've only lived in one other. I've lived in Canada for two years, and the people in Montreal always seemed more politically uh, astute to me. Not that all of them, but the, it just seemed like there was a more general political astute. They were more generally politically astute. There weren't as low information as a lot of the voters in this country. Not as easily fooled. But that's just two years out of my 50, soon to be 52, that I spent in Canada. I have never lived anywhere else. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Gator can come on right now and tell me, are the people of Great Britain low information voters? Hey, Gator.
1: Hey, Mike. Yeah, hey, there is low information as anywhere else in any other country. Yeah, because the human behavior is the same. People don't want to expend large amounts of energy trying to find information, parse it and make a decision when they can just ally lazily to an information source that they think is trustworthy and therefore abrogate all of their analytical thinking to that source. And that happens to be whichever fucking newspaper you believe is the one to read. Is the same mechanism everywhere.
0: So when a politician says, I'm gonna put two million dollars in your pocket if you vote for me, they they believe it or our party?
1: Yeah, I mean, of course. They, I mean you can the examples of that are Brexit, okay, or any good, good general example. election, because all of the techniques that are applied are exactly the same. So in Brexit, one of the techniques that was used was for a lie to be printed onto the side of a bus. Right. And that lie was Brexit will free up three hundred and fifty million pounds a year um, from the EU, which could be used or would be used in the NHS. It was all complete lie. Right. And uh, it was found to be a lie after analysis, I think, by the even the Electoral Commission or something like that. And, and Boris Johnson had just printed that onto a bus um, with the backing of his campaign manager, Dominic Cummings. And they and they admitted after the fact that it's just bullshit. But we just did it because we knew that we couldn't be held accountable at the time and that it would disrupt the, re- the remain camp who would then have to work to prove that it was bullshit and counter spin it. So we just did it very close to the deadline so that we knew that we would get enough people to believe that because it was on the side of a fucking bus and that would sway some more votes. That's just one example, right? Another example is in Scotland where the Scottish independence vote was rigged late in the day because the uh, pro-Remain, so... The people who wanted Scotland to remain part of the UK said, if you leave the UK and become independent, we will cut your access to the British NHS. And that made anybody over basically about 55 shit themselves <laughs> and then go, oh, I don't want to lose the NHS. I don't right. have to start paying for some shitty healthcare that's provided only by Scotland in its meagre with its meagre. Um, population and so they panicked and and that helped to keep Scotland inside the UK that's the kind of game that that is played everywhere it's just another example of what you're talking about that's how easily manipulated people are
0: yeah and I just my question is always and I don't know I don't know why I asked this question it never seems to get answered is how many times do you need to be fooled you know is that saying you know fool me once, shame on you fool me twice shame on me Twice. It seems as though people can be fooled many, many times, hundreds of times, and they never seem to say, you know what? Maybe these people are just lying to us to stay in power, just lying to us to get us to vote for them. Or I think I, I think maybe Gator, and this might work that way in your country also, is that people often say, well, yeah, my side lies, but the other side's worse, right? The other side's worse, li- liars. I'll, I'll vote for my, my liar. I think that's what people often think also.
1: Well, I, I think it comes from a faulty view of what reality is in a given topic area, right? So if it's politics, what average person do you know who really wants to believe or, or can articulate how realpolitik differs from politics right because there's a huge difference, so po- politics is is any narrative that anyone in the political sphere wants to sell you about how politics works, and most of it is untrue but mm-hmm. well, real is actually it's about power, wealth, control, and money, and the interlock interlocking nature of those things and how you essentially move those four points around in order to essentially be the person wielding political power or the groups wielding political power and that gets you into modern day neo-feudalism corporatocracy and all these other issues which are really how the world is run and if you see that then you can basically determine what's going to happen roughly in markets how you can make money when you understand what money is and how you switch money from cash into assets and then you exploit those systems to make more wealth right that's all but nobody's taught that right unless you are in a certain privileged end of society you have to teach it to yourself right, right. most people don't teach them themselves that so they have a skewed view of what reality is they fall back on bullshit ideas of democracy uh, your vote counts you're an individual sovereign person who has power all these all these fallacies that Basically, poor people get taught to repeat, right, which keeps them poor until they educate themselves. And if you have that view of reality, you, you will never understand what realpolitik is. And so you will constantly be disappointed election cycle to election cycle, and you won't work out how you're being lied to. And that's the vast majority of people, right. in my opinion.
0: Right, yeah, you know, and when people like myself point out that these people are just simply not getting all the information they need, uh, not doing the research to know the truth, uh, that's low information. That's what it comes. Wait, wait, well, one person, any one person, can say this is the deal. I'm telling you right now, just like Clyburn said in South Carolina in 2020, I'm telling you that Biden, I know Biden, I know Biden real well. And he's on the, he's, 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 you know, he's on your side. He's on the side of the African-American. The other guy, Bernie is, you know, kind of a racist and they believe that shit. Um, it's, yes, I call them low information voters. Yes. I think they're dumb, but it, it depresses me. It depresses me. And I, I understand, I've talked about the cult of personality in this country, and you probably have it to a lesser extent in the UK, but it's the equal. cult of personality here, where you love Trump, you believe everything he says, right? You you love Biden, you believe everything he says. You, you love, uh, you know, Jim Clyburn, you believe everything the man says. That's a problem. And that's when it comes to this cult of personality, where people don't simply say, well, let me investigate to see if this person is telling me the truth. And... What's sad nowadays, Gator, which makes me more upset than this than maybe 20, 30 years ago, is that you don't need to go to a library anymore. You just simply go on your computer. Take a few minutes away from playing video games or going on Pornhub and just simply investigate, let's say, Joe Biden's record when it comes to race. Um, things he has said about African-Americans in the past, the programs that he has killed in the past all that stuff um it's Kamala Harris aptly believe it or not (laughs) the one good thing she's done over the last five years is called Joe Biden a racist on that stage because he is and just look it up it takes five minutes maybe 10-15 minutes and you can say oh you know what I don't think this like Clyburn is on the level but they don't do that so why don't they do that Gator it's just a this is why I can't believe it's as bad in the UK as here. Because this is it's a worse. uniquely American laziness. It's no, no, a no, no, uniquely no. American intellectual laziness. Am I wrong about that?
1: You, you're wrong. It's worse in Britain. because it really? What Britain is, is a fully neo-feudal system where there is no democracy. We, we, are, we are a fully blown um, neo-feudal police state. Right. Because we don't have a published constitution and our courts are much more bent than yours. Right. They're totally bent. And the British people are not admitting that to themselves. Right. There is no recognition of that at all. Whereas, at least in your country, Covid shows that you it's possible to get some law rulings that really radically go against the government and corporate stance on covid or vaccination well in britain we're being played on the most predictable and simple um judicial basis parliamentary and judicial basis that i predicted two and a half years ago right and that is that the british government has essentially investigated itself Okay, over COVID policy and vaccination policy, it has used fall guys like the former health minister, Matt Hancock, where The Telegraph and a journalist leaked. basically leaked loads of his text, private text messages, governmental and personal text messages to the Daily Telegraph newspaper. Like which which she claimed the lockdown files were a public service, but they weren't. They were complete psyop. Right? And so the result of those things put together in the inquest is that the British government is now saying, and this Matthew Hancock is now saying, I apologise for the shortcomings of the times our our approach to COVID. We should have locked down harder and faster, and you should expect that in the future, which is the complete closure of the covid loop in in the exact opposite direction that citizens need it to have gone essentially they've been outplayed by politicians through the use of their own self-investigative channels if you see what i mean
0: yeah i see what you're saying i do um i just it's always hard when you live in a place you kind of live in a vacuum to think it's worse (laughs) You, you you don't want to even consider it being worse you know, anywhere else because it's so bad here. I mean, and, and you see it happening over and over again, right? You'll see it happening when it comes to people voting in a primary. You'll see what happens to people voting in a presidential election. You'll see it happen just on a local level, right? Just on a local level where people seem to, I guess this is part of the problem with politics in general is that people believe promises that politicians can't keep. They Now, We have a situation here in this primary where you have Donald Trump who constantly lies about things. He can't do anything he says he does. He didn't do anything he said he was going to do. Ron DeSantis, to a lesser extent, has said, I'm not going to say I'm going to lock up Hillary Clinton if I can't and I'm not going to lock up Hillary Clinton, which is I appreciate that. Then you have the opposite. You have Chris Christie who's saying things like, I can't. There's always an election cycle. I'm going off track a little bit here, but there's always an election cycle. We have one candidate, at least like Chris Christie, who says, I don't believe anything. They can't get anything done. What's the point of that? So why are you running for president Mm -hmm. if all you're going to say is, oh, all the all Trump and DeSantis are doing are promising things they can't do. So you're not going to do anything as president. You're not going to try to do anything. There's always someone like that. And that's also very disingenuous because there are things you can at least try to do. There are plenty of things. That an executive can can at least try to do, um, but I think the problem is is that people are too gullible in general when it comes to politicians saying we can do this. We can, I can cancel the student debt. It's a real thing. Right. I can I can get you a million two a year and a one dollar house if you're uh, you know a descendant of a of a slave. I can do that for right. you. Okay. Well, and see, people believe it. You know.
1: Seeing as you've gone onto that topic, right? Yeah, of course. Um, quite a while ago, I asked um, the Sabi Sabs call-in show mm-hmm. where they felt reparation money should come from. <laughs> and I asked them, do you think it should come from the state or do you think it should come from sort of private entities? They, their, uh, un- The panel that was there answered mm-hmm. that they believed the money should come from the state. And I pointed out to them that if they went down that road, they would open themselves, their cause, to a form of political financial attack, which is that if you think that all reparation money needs to come from the government to those people, whoever is considered to be eligible, if I was an opponent to the reparations, I would attack the system by saying, but if you, if you make all government money pay reparations you're spreading the liability for reparations across loads of innocent citizens who have never been part of slavery who have never benefited from slavery and have literally nothing to do with it right and you're making them liable for that those costs right and instead what you should be doing to evade that or limit that political attack is to say that definitely the companies entities and and persons who have lineage that shows that they were either slavers or the benefit beneficiaries of slavery should also be taken to task and forced to pay like Benedict Cumberbatch's family and all these other people. And if you notice actually of the recent politician pr- presidents of the last eight or so, only one is not the beneficiary of slavery and that's Donald Trump. So even yes, those yes, people was, be was forced about to that pay yesterday. from their private wealth into right. black reparations. Right. Now I put that to them and they hadn't thought about that. And I waited a few weeks until they were talking about reparations again. And I went back and I said to them, what's, you know, what, what um, first of all, I, I, asked them roughly what, what they thought and, and savvy Sab's had changed, said she'd changed her mind and said that it should, it should include money from private entities right i thought okay well that's that's reasonable at least she's considering something but then i asked a very specific question and it was all completely in good faith because there were serious ramifications to this i said to her what do you think about a situation where the state of california which is the one that seems to be furthest ahead in its reparations policy uh, generation but also the one which has not got a history, a significant history of slavery, is now saying that depending upon the equation, we could be dealing with up to $800 billion worth of, of reparation money just in our state. Now, it won't get that high, but it could be anything from from the hundreds of millions of dollars into the multi-billions of dollars into the tens to hundreds of billions of dollars. Right, There's, That's the broad range. I asked her. And her panel, how do you all feel about the potential sociological and political financial ramifications for all of the people who live in that state? If reparations payments are coming out of state coffers and they get into huge levels of payment and, and, and they basically, this is, this is all on tape. What they didn't like was being asked that question first and foremost, right? Because it put them into a position where they had to say how they felt about their fellow citizens, Mm -hmm. right? And this is what Sabi Sab said to me, and it's on tape. I don't give a fuck what it does to anyone else or the state. I want the fucking money is basically what she said that's almost verbatim right and what this and i said to, i was making the point that you can't really do this at a state level because yeah. you will cause such sociological imbalance inside the state that two things are going to happen uh-huh. mm-hmm. people will abandon the state driving down tax revenue generation in the state And the state will also, even without that exodus of people, the state will also start to radically retract all state services because it can't afford them. Right. Which will exacerbate the collapse of society in that state and exacerbate the exodus. And what you'll end up with is the people who have received reparation money become essentially free agents who are mobile and they will themselves leave the state. And take that money to other states, exacerbating the problem inside California even more, and literally these are the things I basically tried to put to them. They had no answer for that. They attacked me for a cent and, and they said that what I was doing was some kind of political maneuvering to undermine the idea of reparations. I said no that 's not what i 'm doing at all you 're misconstruing what I said, and she was literally having a fucking go at me right now now fast forward to today, and there are polls the californian community poll administered at the beginning of june showed that roughly 43 percent of residents in california think the state is heading in the wrong direction okay 56 percent were totally dissatisfied with the state's cost of health care right blah 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 and essentially um what you're looking at here is that nearly 40 percent of californians are considering moving to another state due to the cost of living now if they do that before the reparations argument is resolved and funnily enough there's a good reason why gavin newsom has not signed off anything because he knows it can't be done in the way that people are demanding it be done and he's using it as a political sort of notional um win that he's willing to support but he's right and if you listen to to
0: newsom's sorry to interrupt you if you listen to newsom's response on this it's his usual slimy slimy skeevy political way of getting around things and instead of just saying they ain't going to get any money he says things like well this is about more than just money exactly this is about more, right so what he's trying to say is you absolutely deserve all this we're not going to give you anything but we absolutely deserve but the way he gets around saying obviously which we don't have the money it's never going to happen because he still wants to dangle the carrot." and get their votes is he says this is about more than money this is about socio-economic right. and the fabric so, of our society and all these good slimy political words that this scumbag is so good at by keeping that carrot dangling when the bottom line is they want money and they ain't gonna get the money
1: yeah but and, and so so but also what this shows you is that there is a very simple way for people who 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 politically maybe are either unsupportive of reparations or cons- are radically concerned about the sociological impact all they need to do is essentially state hop from california first to show that california can't do as big a job as it ever politically claimed it could well, ha- and then you, then you basically wait until another state tries to do the same thing or similar, or or reparations in a different way, and then people will just state hop out of it again, right? And if you get that moving around inside the in, on a state by state basis, the arguments for reparations will drag on for decades, right? If they ever are possible to do in any meaningful sense at all, right?
0: Have you ever asked someone like? stab Sebs, I'm not going I'm not gonna go on that show. Have you ever asked her how um, slavery has kept her down?
1: No, of course not.
0: There's, oh, no, there's, I don't, there's I'll let you know no because
1: She's on there's this network. No point.
0: I'm on this network. She's on this network. If, this if network. I, if Noah I was, has... if
1: I was verbally attacked for simply asking critical um, people to demonstrate their critical thinking of of the monetary sourcing of reparations and they became hyper defensive about that there's no way that you can have a rational conversation about asking people how have you been fucked over
0: i don't get it because they
1: would just call you a racist i mean my ethnicity they don't even know what my ethnicity is and i've never explained it and i never will because it's irrelevant but they would use they would they attacked me without knowing what my ethnicity was based upon simple questions about economics that they couldn't answer and they hadn't thought of, which is where's the money coming from? So, so a government or private? And then what happens if your money's all coming from the government and it fucks up the rest of society? And they didn't like it.
0: Right? Yeah, I, I don't I just understand.
1: Ridiculous I, I'm trying to understand thinking.
0: it because I'm on this network. She's on this network. She has actually many more listeners than I do. So I, I'm not quite sure how how she's been kept down. I don't get it. I don't understand. I'd like to know how. I, no, I'd no. literally. I'm. Mean, I'm not. Be, I'm, I'm. I'm trying not to even be sarcastic. I want to know how slavery has kept her down personally. Well,
1: I mean, you know, you'd you, you have to ask her that. I can't speak. I can't speak to that at all. Mm. Um, you know, and and to be honest, in maybe I'm I
2: I feel but, like
1: but,
0: I'm being kept down, Gator.
1: I feel like I'm. Well, being okay, kept look. Down. But my point about this <laughs> was that in in principle. I, I support a form of, forms of reparation, right? I don't have mm-hmm. a problem with it at all, mm-hmm. in principle. It's all a question of how you do it, right? This is the complex, difficult problem. Is how. But you Daniel
0: uh, Daniel Gator, that opens up the, the can of worms about reparations for a lot of different people. What about Native of, Americans? Of course. What about Italian Americans? What about Irish Americans?
1: Yeah, but people have also said if you can pay it for the Japanese, right, which was done, why can't it be paid for, for, for black people for slavery and other groups right? and And then then you get into an argument of MMT, which people say, well, if MMT is true and it is, we can print as much money as we want and give it to people for reparations. That's one of the basic basic arguments, right? And they yeah. don't talk about the consequences of doing that if the bills get as high as 500 billion per state, right. Because they don't want to deal with the ideas of inflation and the socio socio economic fallout that comes, and the from people who pay for that, get their cash. And,
0: and, yeah, and the people who pay for that and suffer the most are going to be the lower income people. They're the ones who are going to end up paying. It, like everything else, it'll be paid on the backs of the lower income people. The corporations, the wealthiest, aren't going to pay a dime. They're not going to feel it. So it's but, the same people who they say are being held down and then deserve reparations, uh, being held down by the man, by the slave owner. Those people are the ones who are going to end up paying through the ass for all these things. In the end, the bill always gets paid and it always gets paid by the people who can least afford to pay it.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. And I'll end I'll, I'll it on this question, right? The idea that Newsom says, and he isn't the only person who says this and this is not a... Uh, 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 this should be, this should be taken seriously, is that reparations aren't necessarily just about cash. Well, imagine this, if you said to somebody, you can have uh, 500,000 in cash, right? Or you can have a 100,000 in cash, a four bedroom house in, in a load of different areas here, which is done to a certain standard with some incentivization to fix it up so and you'll get that for a, a nominal mortgage of $50,000 when really the house in its current state is worth 150,000 and if you do it up it has the ability to be, to be worth 200 to 250,000 right mm. and also we will give you um, heavily subsidized education for yourself inside this institution and this institution and if you have children they will get free scholarships inside this state to these institutions right so when you net up that package it's less cash but you have a higher asset base in the end in the longer medium to long term and you also get an educational uh, incentive right Right. if you if you provide those kind of things and reparations okay, that that is that is actually incredibly meaningful as well, because the value of a lot of the things that you're giving, the asset base and the education, will only ever go up over time, yeah. right, they will never go down, right, I mean, housing oh. could do, right, yeah. but, but it would never go down the degree that you're, of the discount, right, yeah. so, and your education stays with you forever, right, mm-hmm. now... I haven't read this 1,100-page report about reparations that has been pushed forward now. Um, it's apparently four inches thick, right? <laughs> but you've got to ask the question, if people are only pushing cash, you have to ask why. Because,
0: because they want that free money. Because they want free money. All this other stuff you talk about, that's, they don't care about that. They don't care about that. They want free money. They don't want to work. They want free money now. That's what they want. They don't give a fuck about their ancestors. They don't care about their slaves. They don't care about their ancestors who were fucked by whites. They don't care about that shit. They don't care that they were raped. They don't care about any of that stuff. All they care about is they in the year 2023, they want free money. They don't want to work. They want Whitey to keep them in money because they deserve it. That's what they want, Gator. I'm sorry. That's what it comes I, down I, to. I
1: wouldn't. Char- I wouldn't characterize it like that. What I would say but to you is. is that it is. They an want example. free money. They're lazy. Right, they don't want to work. It is an example of short-circuited, myopic, and um, not not entirely. But they are examples that include short-termism, myopia, okay, and essentially a failure to understand value, right because cash is actually the thing that you don't want in a high inflationary environment. You want, you want assets, right? Yeah. Which will always track they're not, inflation. One of the things that I mentioned, <laughs> if you structure it, partial cash, <laughs> partial property, partial education, yeah. you achieve they're not smart
0: enough to think that way.
1: Exactly. And they are, they, yeah. and that's why I raise it as because you're using this term partial information. Well, that is a partial information decision. Cause you're not looking at the whole pie, whether or not, The emotional side of stuff that you just cited is—is anything to do with it? Is your opinion? It's not mine. I don't necessarily wouldn't characterize it like that. But that's what I would say. Is that and so so in the end, this is what I would like to see. I would like to see California go balls to the wall with its reparation package. Whether that's whether that's twenty billion or eight hundred billion, I just say fucking do it, because what will happen is you will see essentially the collapse of a state. And that will tell people (laughs) that that way of doing things based on MMT idea uh, and an entitlement to an endless pile of cash essentially doesn't work for society. Mm. And that will set uh, a rebalance the ideas of how you do it across society in the US in a more realistic way. And you will end up with eventually a better outcome at the end of it. But people have to go through a pain barrier first of, of stupidity yeah. before they get to a real terms workable solution. Yep.
0: Well, Gator, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. No worries, mate. Take it easy. Of course. Thanks. Good Good speaking to you. All right. Uh, who are we going to go to? Um, uh, speaking of... Uh... Hello, youth.
2: Hey, Carthage. Oh, God, you? Mikey C you made me wait half an hour, man. What's- I
0: love it. I love making you – I'm, 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 I'm making you develop patience.
2: Well, it's not just to me because the longer you make me wait, the longer you make Daniel wait. And, you know, yeah, but he, Daniel nice enjoys guy. the conversation that he hears from other people. Oh, my God. I enjoy – he- like I said, man, it's called <laughs> calling, not listening. Daniel is patient. That's what Gator just said. Okay, well, dude, Mike. There's no need to get so amped up, man. You get so agitated about reparations. Okay, as as you know, as much as I might want it, or somebody else might want it, or you may want it, it's not going to happen. So why get so agitated about? That's it? what they I've been saying for the last angry. hour.
0: That they believe it's going to happen, just like they believe student debt relief was going to happen. Look, okay, I don't it. actually think yeah. they believe it's going to happen, but we can
2: talk about that another day. Uh, well, it's Friday because what well, I, I want to talk. About we can talk about movies. today since we're talking about it. You always want to talk about something else. I, if no. I, okay, the may, only reason why I call on Fridays is to talk about movies, because, you know, that's what you say movie review is.
0: Yeah, but, but um, it
2: comes at the end of the show. Oh, my God. How would I know that? I've, told I, you a million, I I've only done it 100 enough. times
0: so far. I only do it every okay. Friday.
2: Well, Mikey, all I'm going okay, say about reparations is don't worry about it, man. It's not going to happen. So just relax, okay? Um, and, oh, by the way, I do disagree with Gator on something. I, said, I think he said earlier that... Mm-hmm. He thinks that the UK or at least the court system is like more corrupt um, than you know ours. Like I, 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 I would say I don't live in the UK. I've been there a few times, but I, I don't live in the UK, so I can't comment mm-hmm. on the government. But I, 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 don't see how the UK courts could be any more corrupt than ours, just because the judges are pretty much picked by the corporations directly. But mm-hmm. you know, that's that, that just one disagreement I have with them. But um. I'm just telling you, man, relax, uh, Chico. There's no need to get angry about that. Chico,
0: Chico and the Man.
2: You're too young. But, to uh, are so? Are there any? Uh, oh, are, are you going to see
0: Indiana Jones? I saw it. I'm going to review it in about a half hour. Oh wow! Well, I just saw it today. Let's talk about it now. No, not till the end of the show. You can tell me what you think, but I'm not giving my
2: review until um, the end of the obviously, show. Obviously, you know I won't. Uh, uh, tell me what you think. What do you think? Well, Gator, I I I would also I would say the
0: same thing about American judges. But, oh, you're reading Gator's comments. Okay. Yeah. What, what'd you think uh, about Indiana Jones? Since you're on the subject, I,
2: now? you know, I thought it was up and down. You know, you know, good things, bad things. Okay, I'm not gonna, uh, I I I, I won't give any plot points. You know, because just in case somebody here is gonna see it. But so you 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 know how that uh, interesting happen thing that happened at the end? You know where you know? Yes. The dial. I'm, yes, I'm gonna, yes. 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 I, yes. We'll just talk in vague words. Um. I, th- I thought it was pretty cool what they did with it. You know, I thought something else was going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. but uh I'm I'm happy that they did that cool thing at the end. So you liked it? Not going to let you know. You have to say <laughs> oh At the end God, of the show I'll dude. be reviewing. Indiana Nobody Jones. gives a shit. I don't you do all, your reviews. They
0: then. just got here. John Williams and the Boston Pops just entered my apartment. I don't do the review until after he plays me in. He's got to play Hooray for Hollywood. Oh, by the way, what a coincidence. John Williams, Indiana Jones, is his score. Wait, somebody's course, in your apartment. It's just apartment? recycled, what? Indiana Jones' score. But anyway, um, yes. So once Somebody's in that, your I'm, apartment right now? Why? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> to use your imagination, Karthik, please. Are, are you. Uh, are you- Guy's going to have sex now? Is that why they're <laughs> Yeah, me ride? and John Williams and the Boston Pops. How old is John Williams? He's got to be up uh-huh. there.
2: Older than you.
0: Yes, he has to be. He has to be. Uh, but uh, still a great composure, though. Um, I'll review Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny and No Hard Feelings. Okay. Did, oh,
2: no. So, so did you like No Hard Feelings? I told you I, <laughs> I loved it. You'll find out at the end of the show. What is with you? Okay. You literally can't even tell me whether you no. liked it or I can't. I want people so, to stay. So you can't give me a yes or a no.
0: I can't. I want people to that's stay. That's literally
2: all I'm asking. Okay. I want well, people to stay. you know, I'm sure you like seeing uh, Jennifer Lawrence's tits. So I'm I'm, I'm going to say Oh, like yeah. It. That's it. That's it. That's why um, I go
0: see movies, to see Jennifer Lawrence's.
2: But anyway, uh, so, okay. Movies. So you know how there was that, um, like, scientist person at the end of the movie? Did you like seeing him? The scientist person at the end of what that's- movie? Indiana Jones, remember, like he, you know, the scientist. You mean the, you you, you mean the Roman scientist? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think you almost spoiled, but yes, the, uh, yes, that that scientist in the
0: days of in the days of the. Uh, oh, come uh, on, man! Don't spoil it. The Roman Empire. <laughs> <laughs> well, you pretty much spoiled it now, but yeah. So I'll, I'll just say, uh, yeah. First uh, of all, I guess with that ending, yes, I guess you could say. In the trailers, they don't give that away. But yeah, with trailers, Carthic with trailers these days, they give away so much. But, so much,
2: okay, dude. I, you know, just for what's the term? You know, just for uh, okay. Well, I I just don't want to spoil anything. That's why I'm trying to make everything vague. So, so, did you like seeing the scientist guy? <laughs> why are you trying
0: to get this review out of me? You can't just wait not, a half hour. We're not getting a review. We're just having a discussion. We're having a you, nice. You can't just wait a half hour talking. You know what? I'll give you a little hint. I would have liked to have seen more of, of that guy.
2: Yeah, no. It was definitely very cool and and I kinda liked how he was used or at least mentioned or whatever used
0: in other parts of the film. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Yeah. Have no, you, have you was... liked have you liked all of the Indiana Jones movies?
2: Um, yeah. I mean like I I know like like number four gets a lot of shit, you know, and I like i remember people didn't like number 4 cuz it was aliens and i guess maybe some other reasons but no, uh, I, I you know I, I generally like most of them like i, I would say my yeah. the, the the order i would give is 3 1 um yeah so last crusade first and then raiders of last ark second mm-hmm. or lost mm-hmm. ark second and mm-hmm. then um I, i'm really not sure where to rank where where to rank the last three actually temple yeah. of doom or um you know uh, Crystal Skull and The
0: Dial of Death. Yeah, I really don't know. Uh, w- 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 what's your order? Critically, Raiders Lost Ark is the only one to get really good reviews.
2: Yeah, I really don't give a shit what's some? Crash, I'm just telling you that Raiders
0: of Lost Ark, the first one, no, is I'm not the one sure.
2: to get universally good reviews. It's like 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. The, the,
0: what do you call it? The second one. Um, Indiana Jones and the... What was it called? The second one? Absolutely. The... Uh, Temple of Doom. Actually, the reviews really dropped off. The the uh, the last one, the Crusade, got better reviews. Critically. Are you
2: talking about Rotten
0: Tomatoes? No, I'm talking about critically critical. No, not Rotten Tomato. IMDb. IMDb. The critic. Oh, okay, reviews. no, yeah, I yeah. don't really check IMDb. I, I mainly yeah. just Rotten Tomatoes. But the, the reason why there was a big drop off, I think, when you go, I like when a lot of people go back and look at the second one, now they like it a lot. But oh. it was a big drop off because it didn't live up to the first one for a lot of people. That's yeah, right. well, no. I yeah. just saw it because I saw like all the Indiana
2: Jones movies like a few days, you know, in the last few days because I went to see you know the fifth one today. And I don't know. Like, I I just think Temple of Doom is okay. Like I was, like I, yeah. I I've always loved the Last Crusade, you know, because you know there's so much in the Last Crusade to love But, you know that that uh you know the
0: uh, uh yeah. Nazi doctor was great. You know. Oh, but uh, but uh, but you know what? We're gonna get more reviews in a bit. I do want to are a couple of other stories. I want to. I need to go to Daniel. And really, talk a couple of other that's stories. all you talked. But I did want to mention this for like to half you. half an hour, I did want, want to mention this to me you. For Ten minutes. I was actually shut up. I was what actually the? looking forward to speaking to you because uh, you know what? that I was at the perfect game Wednesday night. What? The perfect game in Oakland pitched baseball. Dude, I don't give a shit about baseball. Oh, go away, Carthick. Go away. I was. Do you understand how rare it is to be at a perfect game? There have been 24 in the history of Major League Baseball. There's actually a point zero one percent chance of there being a perfect game thrown in baseball. I, I, I have no idea about baseball. Okay, so what, why did you want to tell me this? Because you're a sports guy. I thought you would enjoy the fact that I was I'm at a perfect a game.
2: I'm a tennis guy. I told you this before. Oh. I know everything about tennis, but zero about any other sport. There's no such thing as a perfect game in tennis, is there? No, no, no. The, theoretically, it is, but it's, I'm not sure it's ever happened. So, so I, I guess, you know, the equivalent, I, I, I'm not sure what happens in a perfect game. And baseball. You mean
0: they win every set?
2: Well, it, it's pretty much, you no, know, no, not, like, well, straight sets is not what it's called. It's actually very like common to do, it happens all the time. But no, I guess if you're talking about a perfect set. It would be tough to be called like a golden match, and that's where you literally win every single point.
0: That's rare.
2: Well, from what I know, it's that's never happened. Like, like there there has been golden sets where, okay, so to pretty much win a golden set or gold. You, you know, you need at least sometimes more, but at least, at the very least, twenty four points. And obviously, to win a golden, you know, and doing a match takes two or three sets, so that's requiring forty eight or seventy two points to have like a perfect
0: match, let's say. But that's never happened. There are golden sets in history, but never golden matches in tennis. It would be straight sets of six zero. Gator said. Does that make any sense?
2: No, no, no. It, it would have to be um not just straight sets, but also like like every perfect point, you know. So you'd have to win like oh, 48 right. points to zero or something. Which yeah, I got would be, you. Yeah, but no, right. straight sets happens all the time. Like it happens like pretty much like every day that there's a tournament. So that's pretty common. But no, like a golden set would be like like you win every single point and the, and the opponent wins zero points.
0: Oh, okay. All right, so there is kind of like a comparable comparable perfect kind of game. Yeah, but Not quite the same. Not quite the same. Someone put up a, a list of all the things that happens in sports and the odds of it happening, and the perfect game was the rarest thing that could happen in any sport. The perfect game is the most rare. Yeah, no, no,
2: straight game. sets is actually very common in tennis, so that, that's not the equivalent. Yeah, well, they,
0: they compared sets. it to like bowling 300, stuff like that, where that was rare, but not as rare as, uh, as know, pitching
2: a perfect game the golden matcher was even more rare than 300 you know bowling because it's it's literally never happened
0: um, oh, at, at least for the last 50 years maybe, maybe yeah, look before. at what you did look at what you did Daniel hung up because you talk so much oh my that, dude okay. you talked to Gator for at least half an hour so maybe well, that's Gator what, was talking about it. substantive stuff he was talking about
2: anyway you know, um, oh. but back to you know important stuff um, that actually is gonna happen Uh just kidding, man. Gator, you're, you're a nice guy. I respect you. It's nothing about you.
0: Um, mm-hmm. So, Mike, uh, did you like the uh, cameo at the end of the movie? I've ta- I'm not going to keep talking about this. I'll do my review. In fact, I'm going to let you go because I'm going to cover a story and then I'm going to do my reviews. And if you want to hang around for the reviews, you can. Or if you want to. I'm literally asking for a yes or no answer. We, all you I said, uh, no, Was it who cares? This two and First of all, the movie's two and a half hours. That's the last three minutes. What do you want to know about the last? Who cares about the last three No, all
2: minutes? I said was, do you like the cameo at the end? That's all I said. Of course. Oh, okay. That's all I was on to know. Yeah, it was nice to see that person again. Looking old.
0: Everyone's getting old, man.
2: Dude, everybody's <laughs> old in the movie. What do you want? What, what, what do you want me to say? Oh, did you like the uh, kid, you know, the, the uh, kid uh, actor in the movie? Because I did not like him. I just thought he was kind of annoying. Really?
0: It, yeah, I think it, he grew
2: on me. Look, uh, you're thinking of what the fuck's his name there in the Temple of Doom. It's not the same. No, 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 like, no. no. I actually like the uh, kid from Temple of Doom a lot. It was this kid that I didn't
0: no, like. No, but I'm saying that was more like cute comic relief. This kid, I think there was, he, he was uh, more to it than just that. Yeah, I guess. Uh, did you like Phoebe <laughs> w-
2: w- Waller-Bridge in the movie? Because I did not. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's, no, it's she's, she's not great. She's great. I, I didn't like her until the very end. You know, in the very end, you know, with that scientist <laughs> yeah. scene, right? Um, I, actually, I was like,
0: as Gator said, you're actually spoiling the film more than I ever would.
2: You keep on talking about. The okay, Indiana. all I said was that there's a cameo at the end, and there's a scene at the end with a scientist.
0: That's not a spoiler. Like, I don't know
2: how saying somebody's occupation is a spoiler. For for for, for all Gators, I can talk about Indiana Jones because Indiana Jones is an archaeologist in archaeology. It's considered a social sign. So I could be talking about Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford. You never know. Right. So right. Let me let you go. That's, so that's literally understand.
0: all I've said that it could be considered. Well, even can, a but story. if you want to listen, you'll get my review. I'm going to, I, but I'm going to cover something else now. Anything else you wanted to say? Uh, what, 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 what are you going to cover right now? Eric Adams. Uh, oh, yeah. Are you talking about the
2: clip where he was like, Yes. Struck, got mad I'm going to play lady? the
0: clip in a second. Dude, Eric yeah.
2: Adams is the worst, man. He's a total cunt. He's horrible. Yeah, no, he's Horrible. Like he started blaming it on race, Where I'm like, dude, like, have you seen the rent in New York? It's like horrible. It's like you almost see? as
0: bad as San Francisco. You're right. You're 100 percent right. There's no doubt about it. You're 100 percent right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, he's, hey Mike. Uh, he's a I know you
2: want me to comment on reparations, so I'll say this: mm-hmm. if reparations happens to pop up in one of the GOP debates, that, that then I'll talk about it. Talk about um.
0: I don't know if it will because it's more of a Democrat thing. No, no, I, that, I know. That's know. why I said if it yeah. pops up.
2: But I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised because, you know, it's getting more, like, traction, yeah, but, commentary in the media in the last uh, few, whatever, year or two. Yeah, it might. I mean, yeah.
0: they're all going to be against it, though. I don't think it's going to be Yeah, no, be yeah.
2: I'm it. just saying if yeah. it happens to be brought up, that that's what I'll talk about. Because, like I said, mm. it's not going to ever happen. Mm. So I don't really get the point of, like, being amped up or not. Yeah. Like, right. I think, like, like uh, public option or, or Medicare for all is much more likely to happen. And reparations, um, possibly. We'll see. Obviously, that is very difficult too. But I'm just saying, like, if I did pick like, one that's like much more likely, I would say you know, uh, single pairs has a much higher chance. Right. Okay. Reparations. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, how, how's your boy DeSantis, man? <laughs> we'll talk more about DeSantis next week. Let me get uh, into. Uh, let me how get have into. Realize he's scum. Oh, okay, I'll me- say this about DeSantis. Yeah, uh, I I don't know if you've been reading, but it's well known now, well reported that a lot of the uh, GOP donors are circling around DeSantis, mm-hmm. which is all, which is everything you should uh, you should need to know. That's all I'm saying. Well, what what, what what I hope he gets no money. I hope everyone gives no money no no Trump no. no. And... I'm just saying oh. it's all the you know the donors, you know like like uh uh BlackRock, Wells Fargo, Raytheon, you know the uh, usual suspects, you know
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I hope he gets all the donors because okay, what it means Mike, is they, I'm just
0: saying. what it means is they're moving on from Trump,
2: and it is time Mike, to move on from Trump. I'm telling you, the Sanders is very easily controlled. Like he always. He's also making he's um,
0: also making tons of money from regular people like myself.
2: Well, good for you. You know, well, obviously, I think honestly, do- do- donating to politicians is a horrible use of money. But you know. You have a right to do with your money, man. Um, if I don't sp- give the money to so, him, so you can't tell me give money to Trump instead about your uh, no hard feelings review at
0: all. You can't talk about it at all. No, I am going to talk about it in a few minutes. The more you talk, the longer it's oh going to take me to get to my, okay, fucking my... reviews, Carthic. The longer okay. you talk, the longer it will uh, take me to get the reviews. to I you that could, that you know what? If you had stopped talking ten minutes ago, I'd be starting everything. And with that, he hangs up. With that, he hangs up. All right, so let me go to eric adams <laughs> uh eric adams oh oh here we go here we go okay so it is now time it's been a while it's been a while for a uh patented and let's be heard eric adams update here we go There we go, okay, Mayor Shaft, Mayor Shaft. For those like Karthik who might be too young to know that theme, it's the theme from Shaft. This is a uh yes, there you go. He don't, you don't know what it is. Karthik has no ideas what this is. It's, it's, it's the theme from Shaft. This is Mayor Shaft. It's a mayor Shaft update. Okay, so I know someone in New York City who is under the uh, you know rent control thing. And he always complains to me, this is a Democrat, he always complains to me that uh, they, they raise it. Every so often they'll raise the rents on rent control, right? And sometimes it'll be 1%, sometimes it'll be 2%. And they just raised it again. I think they raised it by a fairly hefty percentage. And of course the rents are already too damn high in New York. In fact, someone runs under that platform. They rent is too damn high party all the time for mayor, and it is too damn high. So they had a town hall kind of meeting, you know, and some woman who is an 84-year-old tenant activist, 84-year-old tenant activist, simply confronted him on the rent problem. And here it is. Nope, the volume is not great.
2: Okay, first, if you're going to ask a question, don't point at me and don't do, be disrespectful to me. I'm the mayor of this city, and treat me with the respect I, would, I deserve to be treated. I'm speaking to you as an adult. Don't stand in front like you treated treating someone that's on a plantation that you own. Give me the respect I deserve and engage in a conversation up here in Washington Heights treat me with the same level of respect I treat you. So don't be pointing at me. Don't be disrespectful to me. Speak with me as an adult because I'm a grown man. I walked into this room as a grown man, and I'm going to walk out of this room as a grown man. I answered your question.
0: Okay, so she's upset because, by the way, she's also a Holocaust survivor, I believe. So he called a Holocaust survivor. He compared a Holocaust survivor to a plantation owner. So Here we are with a mayor who is a totally useless scumbag. He's useless. He really is. And you could see another sociopath with that ego. Imagine if Donald Trump had said something like that. What would the liberals think if Donald Trump said something like, uh, don't point your finger at me like you're my owner. I'm a grown ass man. What is with what is with black people and always saying I'm a grown ass man? Black men like to say that a lot. I'm a grown ass man. I don't understand what that means. But anyway, um, but here is the mayor saying I'm a grown ass man. Don't point your finger at me like uh, I'm on the plantation. Is that what slave owners did? Did they point fingers at people and talk about rent? Did they point the fingers at the slaves and, and talk about how the slaves are raising their rent? That the rent's too fucking damn high? Is that what is that what the slave owners did? Because I, I, maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe I have a, a warped view of history. But once again, this is a scumbag who has no real answer. So he has to bring up race. What does an 84-year-old white woman, she was pointing a finger at him for about 10 seconds. She was talking for like 30 seconds. You couldn't hear it that well because she doesn't have a microphone. So he has the microphone. She has no microphone. Talk about disrespect. Who is he, the fucking king? He's got this great microphone. You heard the audio, right? So he's got this great microphone where he talks and you hear him loud. You could hardly hear her. So right away that shows his dominance over her, right? But she's mad because the rent keeps going up. And she has every right to be mad at 84 years old Holocaust survivor that her rent keeps going up. And so she's angry. And instead of having compassion and sympathy and empathy because he's an egotistic sociopath, Mayor Shaft right away goes on the offensive and blames her and says she's like a plantation owner pointing her finger. Now, I have seen so many of these events here in San Francisco, right? I'm not too into the ones that happen in New York, but I see the meetings with the board of supervisors where the public can come talk and they do a hell of a lot worse than point at the board of supervisors and the mayor a hell of a lot worse. They scream, they yell at the top of their lungs. They call them scumbags. They say, you fuck you. You're fucking horrible. We've heard this. I've played it on this show. They show zero respect. I've actually gotten upset at how, awful they are and i can't stand the politicians here but all this woman was doing was was for 30 seconds trying to get her point across and she pointed her finger for a few seconds at him and he was totally offended by that look he wasn't really offended by that he has no answer for her so he goes on the offensive and everything comes down to race She's like a plantation owner. I'm on the plantation. I'm a grown ass man. Treat me with respect. First of all, you don't need. What is the thing in this country with treating politicians with respect, treating politicians who have policies that fuck up your life with respect, that make your life miserable, that make your quality of life shit? Well you're paying thousands of dollars a month rent. Why should you show respect to these people? There's nothing in our constitution that says we have to show respect to a fucking lowlife like Eric Adams. That we have to show any respect to Mayor Shaft who wears those tight shirts to show how buff he is at 65 years old. How the fuck old he is. Too old to be wearing tight shirts showing off his uh his cop-like physique. But this is more par for the course with Democrats. They have no answer. They have no policy answers. So they have to defer to race. They have to go on the offensive and say, how dare you, you racist? How dare you ask me any questions? How dare you show passion at you having to raise your rent? Another 6% in a city like New York, like San Francisco, where your quality of life is so shit, you should be paying less than someone in fucking Mississippi. You should be paying less than someone in Missouri. Yet you're paying 10, 20, 100 times as much as those people who have a higher quality of life. And you are mad about this? We have no right to be mad. I am the dictator of New York City. He actually said that. I am the mayor of New York City. How dare you raise your voice and point to me? These people need to be taken down several notches. Once again, if we did pitchforks, all right, if we did the pitchforks in front of this fucking house, if we had flames in front of this house, in front of the homes of these people, they wouldn't treat us with such fucking disdain. Maybe we need to do it the way they're doing it in France. These politicians here, like Eric Adams, have it way too easy. Do it like they do it in France and make them fucking afraid of you. Make them afraid of their fucking lives. Then they'll treat you with some respect instead of treating you like a fucking peasant. These motherfuckers. (sighs) Anyway.
2: Chef.
0: You know, Shaft was entertaining. Maybe I shouldn't even compare this guy to Shaft. Shaft was at least entertaining. There was entertainment value. It just amazes me what these politicians get away with here. They get away with too much, and they need to stop getting away with it. They need to stop getting away with it. They have it too easy here. We need to treat them the way people in other countries, uh, first world, second world, third world, doesn't matter what world, treat their politicians. They work for us. Does 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 this scumbag understand that this woman pays his salary, that this woman pays his salary, not the other way around? That she keeps him in that fucking cushy mansion with those fucking tight shirts that show off his fucking ripped pecs? Anyway, I'm trying to find a way to... (laughs) I should get Karthik back on here. I'm trying to find a way to get back into (laughs) the lightheartedness of a film review. Let's see, how can we do it? Well, let's see. Shaft, Shaft was a great television show, very entertaining television show about a really kind of a superhero, right? Shaft was a superhero. He was a, he was a black superhero, right? In the time of, of black exploitation. Um, in the time where blacks were not portrayed in the best of ways, right? And here was Shaft and he was, was it Richard Roundtree? Was it, was it Richard Roundtree? And, uh, he, um, Isaac Hayes wrote the theme. Richard Roundtree played Shaft. So he had a great, uh, uh, African-American composer writing that great theme that I play all the time and uh, and, and a great actor playing this, you know, 70s black superhero. There you go, Still, we're, we're gonna lighten this up a little bit here. Um, and let's talk about superheroes a little bit, right? Let's talk about older superheroes, right? I talk a lot about how Joe Biden's too old to do his job, right? Geraldo Rivera's eighty, and he's retiring now. And and you know Donald Trump is too old, and these people need to retire. But now we have uh, Harrison Ford, right? Harrison Ford's a guy in his seventies, um, not just a strict action film star. I mean, the guy's done a lot of really you know meaty performances too, dramatic performances, right? Like Witness. Witness was a great film, and that was a great a great performance. Um, and I should really. Uh, I think I scared John Williams off and the Boston Pops. I think are you guys tuning it up? Are you ready to go? Can you play me in? I don't want to scare you. I know you're I know you're liberals, but you have to admit, something's wrong with this guy, Adams, right? I have a right to be upset, just like that elderly woman had a right to oh, I'm not gonna get into it. I'm not gonna get into it. If you can play me in, I'd appreciate it. Ready to go? Okay. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to quiet you guys so quickly there. Come on, Mike. Fade in, fade out. Fade in, fade out. Okay, so Harrison Ford is back. And the question is, some people might have, is Is he too old to be a, a hero? Is he too bad to be an action star? Is he too old to be Indiana Jones? Um, I'd say the answer's no. I'd say the answer's no. Now, there are a couple of ways that this film plays it. Harrison can still move. I mean, he's still got the moves, right? He's still got that physicality. He's still got that screen presence and persona. He does. And that's what I always thought was one of the greatest things about Harrison Ford as an actor, is his unique ability to get us to empathize with the plight of his character. He's always had that ability, I believe, right? Where we... Emotionally, we are able to associate with his character and the situation, often dicey situation, when you think about Indiana Jones, that his characters are in. He has that unique intensity, right? And I think he's always been a great actor. Just Like I said, even in his straight performances, like in Witness, I think he's always done really good. What Lies Beneath, not a great film, but a really good performance from from Ford. And, and so much of the stuff that he's done, you know, that's really good. And do I think he's too old? No, I don't. I don't think there are some issues with Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I don't think he's one of them. The problem with Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is that, it's, first of all, it's too long, right? You've got two and a half hours. And the film's plot really can't hold a two and a half hour running time. The plot is too thin the Dial of Destiny is basically an artifact. If you know Indiana Jones, he goes and he goes to get artifacts and he runs into often bad people like Nazis who want to stop him from getting the artifacts and he has to fight them and all that stuff. So in this one, there's something called a Dial of Destiny. And it's an old artifact from like the, uh, the Roman Empire times, uh, Archimedes and stuff. And it uh, supposedly this Dial of Destiny has two parts to it. Now, the beginning of the film, we see Harrison Ford as a young guy, like in the original films, but shot now. And you might think, well, how did they do that? They did it with, the, obviously, the, the de-aging process that we saw in uh, previous films, but they've really, really perfected it. So it looks great, right? So the, the first 20 minutes of the film is basically young-looking Harrison Ford, like he's right out of the first Indiana Jones movie, and that's done with the de-aging process. And it's really, I mean, technically perfect. And we see him uh, being able to obtain half of this Dial of Destiny. There are two halves, right? And so they get the first half, and then the film goes to current times, which, of course, is the late 60s, not now. You know, Indiana Jones took, Took uh, place in the early 40s. So now we see him in the late 60s. It takes place at the time of basically the moon landing. It's going on uh, the same time as the moon landing. And Harrison Ford is older, his current age, and he's still teaching, but he's about to retire, right? Teaching archaeology. I believe Hunter College in New York City is about to retire. And as things progress, of course, the movie's going to go into where he's going to try to find the second half of the piece of the, of the Dial of Destiny. And the Dial of Destiny supposedly what it can do is it can, it has a time, it can find a thread in time and put you back in time if you want to time travel. Um, and of course there's a, a a bad guy played by Miles Mickelson. And he is like the Nazi. We see him earlier in the film also, you know, as a younger guy, as a Nazi, as a, as a, uh, a Nazi soldier And now we see him later in the film, in current times, in the late 60s, still going and trying to find the second half of the the Dial of Destiny. So where Harrison Ford had to fight him earlier in the film, as the younger Harrison Ford, he's going to have to fight him again later in the film as the current day, Indiana Jones. Now, this whole thing around the Dial of Destiny is basically just a, a plot device to string a lot of chase scenes. And the problem is, you know, Harrison Ford has the dial and he's chased. Then the, then the Nazi guy has the dial and he obtains it and then they chase each other. So it's especially one chase scene after another, really well filmed, you know, through different parts of the world. Um, and the action sequences are well shot. They're, they're decent action sequences, but there's no real cohesive whole to the film. Like, especially the earlier films, the, the, the first film and the second film, where there was a strong narrative pull where the characters were interesting enough to make us care. And that's a big problem here is that Harrison Ford's sidekick, Phoebe Waller Bridge, while she's a good actress, the character doesn't have enough to us, to her, to make us really care about her. Um, there's also a, a, a young, uh, a young adult, um, in the film, um, but and it makes us think about, of course, you know, uh, the, uh, the the uh, the sidekick, the the comic relief young kid in uh, in the second film, and it's he's a good actor, he really is, and he brings some depth to the character. But there is just not enough there to hang all of these chase sequences on to make us really care about what's happening the way the earlier films done. It almost feels like a by the numbers retread of of the more successful Indiana Jones films. And there are plot points that have to do with, I won't give everything away, but that have to do with Harrison Ford's son, who was in the Vietnam War, with his wife, you know, Karen Allen. And it's just, there's not enough of it. There's a little bit here, a little bit there. There's one scene here, one scene there, but we want to see more of it. And then the end of the film... Which of course plays into the idea of this time travel seems just tacked on. It's an interesting concept, it really is, but it's tacked on to the end of the film, and we really wish it had we had more of that throughout the film. So it's kind of like some set, some very successful set pieces and possible plot points that should have been developed further and warrant. And the film is really. Even with John Williams' score, John, your score is in this film. But but, you know, it's a retread of the of your original scores. Everything just seems like it's kind of a by the numbers retread and trying to get by on the laurels of the earlier film and of the franchise. And so while, like I say, there are some set pieces that work, there are some plot devices that work, as a whole, it doesn't work. And therefore I can't I can't recommend. Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny. Unfortunately, I really did want to, uh, I really did want to like it, but I guess the theme. My next film is a film that's been out for a couple of weeks. is called No Hard Feelings, and this is with Jennifer Lawrence and Andy Barth Feldman, <laughs> and this is a I guess another film that comes close to being a good film. It really does. It gets so close to being a good film, but it doesn't come together uh, the concept is very funny where well, you have uh, Andrew Barth Feldman who by the way played uh, uh, on was on Broadway uh, dear Evan Hansen he played in dear Evan Hansen Andrew Feldman and he plays a kid who um, his parents want him to come out of his shell okay he's he's a 19 year old kid who has not come out Of his shell and his parents want him to come out of his shell so they hire they hire a woman played by Jennifer Lawrence who's a bit older than him about 11 years older than him um, to to uh, date him okay (laughs) They, they, they want her to to date him and so she needs the reason actually the reason why she dates him is because She needs a car. She had a problem with her car. It was taken away from her and she's an Uber driver. So these parents of Andrew Barth Feldman, uh, hire her. And the deal is if she can get him to come out of his shell, they'll give her the car. And, and so (laughs) the concept is funny because she is this older woman, you know, uh, she's sexually aware. Um, you know, she's has a lot of experience, and Andy Both Feldman, his character is very isolated. You know, he works with animals at an animal' shelter. He doesn't seem to when she comes on to him, he doesn't seem to understand what she's doing. <laughs> so and if you've seen the trailer, you see a lot of these scenes where it's basically her trying to get him to come out of his shell to be turned on by her sexually, and it's a and it's a rough go. <laughs> for her. So a lot of the comedy derives from his kind of sexual naivete and innocence. And there are some scenes that are very funny around that concept. Right. Um, and a lot of it has to do with physical humor. I haven't seen Jennifer Lawrence in this, in the comedies before and she's pretty damn good at physical comedy and the, both of them do have some chemistry. They have some chemistry that works comedic chemistry. And as does Laura Benanti and Matthew Broderick as his parents. And, and Andy Barth character, Percy Becker, is very likable, okay? He's a very likable character, right? We're kind of rooting for him to come out of his show, as tough as it is for him to do. But the problem with the film is that, and this is, I guess... You would think it's a positive that you have actually good actors. Jennifer Lawrence is a good actor. She's not just a comedic actress. She's a good actress. Andy Barth Feldman is a Broadway actor. He's a good actor. He's not just a comedic actor. So you think that's a good thing. They wanted to cast good actors, not just comedians, not just physical comedians. But the problem with that is the film then tries to take itself a little too seriously. And these characters are not really characters that we care about that much. They're likable, but we don't really want to know too much about them. And the film seems to think that it has like a dramatic undertone to it that can basically about halfway through most of the comedy is played out. And then it tries to develop these characters into characters we can actually care about. And, you know, Jennifer Lawrence has a, a a checkered past, you know, uh, uh, Andrew Barth Feldman obviously has these parents who, who coddle him too much and never let him really blossom. And the film tries to get a little bit too much into the character development, and it loses its comedic momentum about, I'd say, a half, maybe two, two-thirds of the way in. All of a sudden, it's not really that funny anymore. Maybe they thought that this concept of this older woman trying to bring this younger kid out of his shell wouldn't be able to sustain a feature film an hour and a half. That's very possible. But the problem is it doesn't even try. So while there are some very funny scenes, especially the first half of the film, when the film tries to get too much into the characters and their development and, you know, it tries to take itself a little bit too seriously, it kind of loses its momentum and unfortunately, it lost my interest at that point as well. Once again, that could be one of the problems of hiring two actors that are actually really good actors, not just not just uh, physical comedians, and then beginning to take yourself too seriously when we didn't come to the film for this, we didn't come to the film for any kind of uh, you know uh, dramatic undertones or uh, you know a film that uh, is really about character development, we just came for the laughs. And the concept is funny enough. I really think it could have worked if it just kept that comedic you know, momentum going, but it loses it. And when it loses that comedic uh, momentum, um, I started to tune out and not really have any interest in the film anymore. So unless, we, we've got two films today, both this one and Indiana Jones, that had really pieces to it that could have made them really good films that I could recommend. But as a whole, both films kind of, fall flat. So unfortunately, this week, I cannot recommend either Indiana Jones, nor can I recommend uh, No Hard Feelings. Maybe next week will be better. We have a couple of big ones coming up, right? Mission Impossible, the cruise film, and of course, Oppenheimer, which has been, you know, promoted ad nauseum for the last six months with their countdown and all that stuff. So we'll see what happens after that. Um, I was going to end the show, but like I usually do after the film reviews. Let me just, I'll tell you, I'll go to Bill, but I need to be played out by John. John, play me out, please. Thank you. Thank you, John. Appreciate it no hard feelings, (laughs) John, no hard feelings, no hard feelings. I didn't like Indiana Jones. I love your score. I love your score. Always will love the Indiana Jones score. But you have to admit, John, the screenplay wasn't as good as the original ones, right? You agree? All right. I'm not going to get you in trouble, but thank thank you anyway. All right. So I was going to end the show as I usually do after the film reviews, but I think I'll go to Bill because, Bill, you've been hanging out there, in and out. My how you doing? How you doing this Friday night, Saturday morning?
3: Hollywood, <laughs> that's, a, that's a Yeah, Hollywood. let's do
0: it. Let's let's do some. You know, you have to stay with the theme here, man. It's Friday night <laughs> we do a film review, so you have to. We have to stay with the uh stay with the movie theme.
3: Yeah, it was What's good. Well, on, Bill? What we can do, how about we do a little. Those- uh, real life sci-fi. Why don't we do that? Okay, because because in the <laughs> live chat, real life.
0: What's real life sci-fi? New
3: York City had. Uh-huh. I'm in the New York Metro area. You know, Bridgeport, pretty close. Of right? Yeah, we had the. We were number two today, Mike. Number two in the worst air quality over oh, the whole yeah. world.
0: But was it was it really bad?
3: Yeah, it sucks out here. Yeah, Tim, I got it's overcast. It's it's, it's like. Um, it's like a, it's like a, a thickness to the air. You know, it's more than humid because it's not that hot. It's definitely. I have a hard time breathing, so I got the air conditioner. Uh, I have, I have uh, sleep apnea. Seriously, sleep apnea. Anyway, but the CPAP machine helps with that. Whoa, but during the day, Bush has
0: just, it, you know. and Biden has it. Did you hear that? Sleep apnea. He has. the uh, He has a machine too.
3: Yeah. yeah. Huh. Well, mine mine has to do with the periduriantrican disease. I I didn't I didn't have it to like, that tumor and all that condition, but anyway. So, the other thing is, New York City was swarmed with these little gnats. This uh, did, uh, did you read that? that that's Wait, another thing. I thought read. that was
0: oh, little gnats. You're not talking about there was some where was it where they had those huge bugs that were falling? The um, oh, I forgot what city it was, but it wasn't New York. There was some city where there were these huge crickets, falling Oh, the crickets, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember
3: that. I forget where that is. Yeah. I remember reading about that.
0: But
3: New York had gnats? Yeah, New York. It's, it's right in the lights. <laughs> New York swarmed uh, bugs uh, right now, and the sky looks like the end is near, reports uh, John uh, Haltwanger w- tweeted with a photo of the particularly orange sun sifting over the skyline. Um, <laughs> he says. Floods, raining ash, and a swarm of bugs of insects. New York. <laughs> New York. <laughs> Here we oh, are, boy. Right? Incredible. The plague in the land is near. Near. Anyway, um, yeah, it's like the end of time. It's crazy. i laugh about it, but it's not funny. I mean, fuck, it's a mess. It's a mess. But anyway, so there's a sci-fi aspect of it, uh, real-life sci-fi we're living right now.
0: But yeah, no. Scene, uh, it's, 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 it's actually frightening that is. this this smoke thing. I mean you're in the area there. You're in Connecticut, right? So yeah, you I am. you like uh, probably on the newscast every night. Is Canada doing anything? Are they controlling this? Is it is it at least half controlled? Are they are they getting to the point where they can say it'll be it'll be taken it'll be you know put out in a month or so?
3: Well, from what I read there's 500 fires burning and another 20 odd started uh, within the last day. I don't know. Accurate, that is all over Canada. Is this all um, so. due to the dry winter? Well, you know, I depends on who you read. I, I, there's some. So, what might sound speaking of sci-fi? Let me put it this way: even some of those California fires, there's some very unusual characteristics to these fires, even in California, whereby they they're hot enough to even melt car glass like we're talking super hot fires that's unheard of yet. And they'll melt aluminum and do all kinds of damage to property. And yet there'll be trees like pines that are still standing with the needles on them, with the needles browned, And the trees are actually killed the inside out. They're actually sap is boiled. Some of them split and fall over where the sap has been boiled from the inside out and fire fire, chief saying they've never seen this before it doesn't make any sense so i mean i can tell you what i think it is and what i we know the technology exists mm-hmm. but then it would mean a nefarious uh, government doing this intentionally um you know you've probably heard of uh high energy weapons that the government has uh that uh, nikola tesla talked about uh, knocking whole planes uh, uh you know a whole swarm of planes out of the sky with right. well uh you know think of it what you may high energy weapons can do this can cause super high temperatures and and they'll, they'll zap trees from the inside the they'll boil the sap and have them fall over and they see this where know. In other words, it looks just like high energy weapons. in fact, normal building fires never, or car, even car fires never burn hot enough to melt glass. But right. you got to be up over you know, two thousand something degrees, right? right. You know, yeah. super high. And <laughs> so what? So what's causing it? It's, in other words, your building material most of it's fire retardant anyway. You know what I mean? And your building material isn't gonna. Except for the wood framing, that's not going to burn hot enough to melt steel. This is it's just like, you know, we talked a little about 9-11. That's a whole nother thing. I mean, talk about sci-fi. You know, jet fuel burns off in 5 to 10 seconds. We saw that big burst of flames, and then next thing you know, you have thick black smoke. That's oxygen-starved fire that can't possibly reach temperatures to melt steel. Impossible. Right. Right. And that's in complete combustion. That's why you had all the black smoke, mm-hmm. you know, so not to mention everything in that building, all those beams were covered with fire retardant and the gypsum board is fire retardant and all the furniture and the carpet is all fire retardant. Like there's no, yeah. but anyway, so sci-fi, no, maybe there's things going on. Our government doesn't want to reveal those. Yeah, that's but you know I what? I there's
0: still too much with the nonsense of the masks. All of a sudden now they think the masks are the answer for everything. It's ridiculous.
3: Oh, yeah, of course, of yeah. course. I mean,
0: it's, it's just so stupid. It's really to the point where they, they, they treat everyone like children. You know, look, yeah. look if, if you can, like you, you, have if you have problems breathing, then stay inside in the air conditioning. If you're young, we talked about the same shit during COVID. If you're, you know, if you're, if you're older and you're more apt to getting colds, then stay inside. If you're young, then go out and live your life. And the same thing with these air quality stuff. If you're young... And this stuff doesn't bother you, then then just go out and live your life.
3: Well, you know, actually the, the reaches the point and let's see, the, the worst is purple. Red is isn't the worst. We're a red alert right now. There's two alerts that are higher as the particulate and the air pollution levels get worse. And at the highest level purple. No one should be outside. Then but, I forget the, you could know, the, look outside
0: like when it's orange when this sky Yeah, yeah, you, blind, don't you don't really go out and breathe that. Time. Don't go out. Yeah. Uh, like, what do you need? What do you need these? Remember, California was doing this crap during COVID. I think New York was doing it too, right? With their color codedness. When it gets to red, we're shutting everything down. Come on, give me a break. The fact of the matter is, if you look outside and the sky is orange and it shouldn't be orange, then you might want to think about not going out that day.
3: Yeah, well, the other thing is you might also, I'm going to look into ordering um, filters for the air conditioner that uh, are HEPA plus carbon. Because the bottom line is, the air has got to come from somewhere. You know what I mean? You can stay inside, but it's still going to get drawn in. Yeah, it still
0: recycles, right? Yeah, yeah. yes, recycled air, isn't
3: it? Of course. So so I'm going to look into that. Um, But, you know, we do the best we can. And and within a couple of days, hopefully it will blow out. And uh, get a little better. Yeah. Um, The other bizarre uh, thing—I know you're ready to wrap up the show, but I just wanted to mention Fauci. Boy, crime pays. Talking about sci-fi, and you can't make this shit up. He just spent 18.6 million on a on a property. I think it is. I just read an article. Crime pays on Fauci. Here it is. Let me see if I can find it. It's in the live chat. Hold on. I like. I I was trying to listen to Gator. I could hardly hear him. I don't know what the issue was for. Uh, I can hear you. Yeah, that's interesting. I heard Gator I, pretty clearly. Yeah, I can barely hear him. So finally, I fell asleep. Is what happened cause I, <laughs> I, you know it's, it's middle of the night here, of course. So here it we go. So, is. so uh, <laughs> Doctor Mangella two Doctor Fauci buys exclusive hundred eighty acre luxury retreat. Uh, on the Potomac. You want to get Worth. me mad?
0: I'm trying to be in a good mood here. At the on Friday and the weekend starting the holiday weekend, but Monday uh, I should now, I'll be here Monday. I'll be here. I, I'm unlike most Americans. I will not the the holiday is Tuesday, July 4th. I understand that the fourth is a fourth of July is a holiday. I've never heard of the third of July being a holiday. So I'm going to do this show on Monday night. I'll take off. Right. I'll take off Tuesday night because I'm a patriotic guy. You know. Um, but Monday night I'll be here, and we can talk more about Fauci. Because I think on Monday I'm going to talk about um, that New York City. People forget about this. There was that New York City Health Pass app. remember that? Yeah. The Health Pass app, and they did you hear? They just quietly got rid of it after it costs New Yorkers about two hundred and fifty million dollars. Wow. Yeah. So there's more, more corruption, more wasted money during COVID and uh, they just quietly they just quietly got rid of that new york health pass uh app they had some they had things like this in great britain you know like the, i think they called it the green pass or something right so uh you know they they have quietly gotten rid of that but it cost a ton a ton of money of cost it was it was more wasted money bill
3: mike let me leave you with something positive because then you want to end the show okay we'll talk money at length okay so the House just floated a bill to defund the World Health Organization, World Economic Forum, and the Misinformation Programs. The U.S. House of Representatives uh, Committee on Appropriations, fiscal year 2024, State Foreign Operations and Related Programs mm-hmm. Appropriations Bill will also slash funding directed to the Wuhan Institute of Virology for the Eco Health Eco Health Alliance and gain-of-function research. Hallelujah. We hope that one passes, right? Gets us out of the World Health Organization and everything.
0: Yep. Hey, Bill, have a good weekend.
3: You too, brother. Thank you. All right. Have a good one.
0: And like I said, I will be back Monday. I will take off Tuesday. But Monday night, I will be here. So I want to remind everyone... The name of this show was in Let's Be Heard. It airs weeknights, eleven PM Pacific, two AM Eastern Time, and which means I will see you on the other side of the weekend. But until this is Mike Cachopoli reminding you that your influence counts. Use it.